Welcome to 2023 and this, the first episode of the School of Hiring podcast in what will undoubtedly be a year full of surprises. In this episode of the School of Hiring, I wanted to look further into the topic of how the world of work is evolving and what impact this is having on and will continue to have on how we not only hire, but also retain people within our organizations. After all, when we hire, we will also want to ensure that the people we bring into the business are happy to dedicate their skills, focus, and substantial parts of their careers to our cause. This would make sense. I mean, with the cost of replacing an employee currently being equivalent to roughly six months of that person's pay, fighting to keep our staff makes perfect business sense. But how do we do this, especially now in a bumpy market where there's a lot of uncertainty and mixed messaging, layoffs and funding downgrades on one hand, war and economic uncertainty on the other. And then when we look ahead, we see China emerging from slumber, the US probably narrowly avoiding a recession and an all time low unemployment data holding strong on both sides of the Atlantic. So how do you position yourself as an employer in this market? Well, to discuss this with me today, I have Jessica Kafka. She's an international HR executive with more than 10 years experience in orchestrating strategic transformation projects, managing people product life cycles, handling employee experience and growth. Jessica's particular experience of leading Zalando through their rapid transformation to what we now call new work at the onset of the pandemic in 2020 has given her a front row seat while many were trying to figure out how the world will change. Jessica, it is really great to have you on this show finally. It's a pleasure being here, Constanti. Thank you for having me. Now, to start us off, I want to ask you what it is that you are seeing right now. How has the world of work changed and what mistakes are you seeing companies making when it comes to hiring and retaining their staff? I would say that the last two years have been an incredible transition, not only within HR, but certainly um, for the ways how we work. If we zoom in again how it was we know that we had five days, we had to be in the office. And that was regardless of the country or of the industry, it was a given that we had to have this presence culture. Then what happened over the pandemic, of course, we had remote work at scale. And all of a sudden, we weren't prepared. We had to be at home, we worked at home, and a lot of companies successfully did so, and some even increased their productivity. Now we're in the situation at the moment where we can come back to the office again, but where we also see a difference between the expectations of the employer and the expectations of the employee. Meaning that I think for the employers, um, there are still employers who wish for this presence culture to be revived. They want their employees to be back in the office versus employees who now have gotten a much stronger voice and do not want to be in the office anymore five days a week. And I think one really big challenge or something to be mindful of, the pandemic was not just three months. 
meaning that during the more than two years, employees made drastic life changes. They moved to the outskirts of the city. Maybe they got a dog. They completely adapted a very new lifestyle and way of living, which of course now impacts also their choice, how they want to and can work going forward. This for sure is something to be mindful of. And the second thing is also something to be mindful of is the entire experience employees have. We're now really seeing a wave where the experience and tailoring the experience down to the employee is far more present than it was a couple of years ago. So today, when we look at retaining and engaging talent, one of the greatest tasks along this employee lifecycle journey really is to tailor down the experience and to make it individual and to try and really have options for the employees, for the employee to choose from. So when it comes to hybrid work, some you might have to allow to work remotely. Others will choose the hybrid option and some might be fully present. But we're in this situation at the moment where certainly we're in a pilot phase. And you will see some companies starting to make announcements like Tesla that they're shifting back to office presence versus others who are making a clear stance on we're staying hybrid and even making the hybrid slightly more flexible. So at the moment, you can't really make a decision on where is the industry going because we're still very much in this pilot phase of hybrid work. That's a great answer. Thanks for that. And I will be catching up with you on that answer in a, in a moment. But there's, there's a few things that I also wanted to reflect on here because you know, the pandemic, yes, you're absolutely right. It wasn't three months. It was several years. And people that have come into the workforce in the last three years, chances are they have never experienced an office culture, an office-based work environment where it is five days a week. So for them, I don't think it's even a, a matter of they having changed their lifestyle. They don't know a different lifestyle. So asking them to come in full-time to an office is an extremely foreign concept, don't you think? I would say you'd have to differentiate a bit because it depends also on the experience level you're talking about. Maybe the more junior talent where it's the first job, yes, this is their experience of not really living a true office culture. But if you look at those employees with more experience, they do have the benchmark and they do have the comparison. So I would be differentiating between those two groups. And yes, of course, there's one group which didn't experience the office so much. But we also have to be mindful not to put a judgment into against the office because a lot of the advantages an office has these talents never experienced and we saw a big disadvantage um almost losing you know their statistics which you know have to, have stated that every third person leaves an onboarding 
if they don't get any social connection. And this was a huge issue during the pandemic because people onboarded and they didn't have this social connection. Whereas those who were at the company before, they could rely on the network they had already established. So therefore, I wouldn't say that uh, this talent force is against the office. I would say that you have to be more intentional of bringing them to the office and also intentional about the purpose of the office. That for sure has changed. In the past, we never had to argue for the office. We never had to explain why we would come to the office. It was a given. And now the office and being in the office is much harder challenge. So from an employer side, you have to really define the purpose of the office and also communicate it to the employees so they understand the sense of being there and also why it adds value to their experience if they arrive at the office, maybe in a hybrid setting of two days a week. Absolutely, 100%. And I'm not the person that's going to poo-poo the office. I'm, in fact, one of those that enjoys having the office space to to work in because I can separate home from work then. And this is this is me. It works for me. I realize it doesn't work for everyone. And I do agree that there is a certain process of individualization that is that is necessary here. Now, one thing I did also ask you about is what mistakes are you seeing employers doing right now when it comes to work mode? What What is it that you think is, is just being addressed the wrong way at the moment? Um, maybe I wouldn't call it a mistake, but I would probably reframe it and say that some companies do not give themselves the time to use this time also as a pilot phase. And I would say the best approach to this new way of working in this hybrid setting is to keep an open mind and keep it as a pilot and potentially also communicate it as such to the employees, meaning we are going to try out the hybrid model, we'll try it out for a year, and then we're going to iterate and we're going to fine-tune and adjust. What you will see is that a lot of companies in the beginning almost felt obliged once people could come back to the office to immediately have a policy ready or to immediately really nail down this is how it's going to be for the future. And the problem is we were designing solutions for a future we hadn't experienced as such before. So this hybrid working is still very new to all of us and we're still in a phase of learning. So ideally, we should be open enough also from an employer side to monitor, to take data regularly on how hybrid work is going or whatever format the employer chooses and then to iterate and fine tune so we end up at a model which is really tailored not only to the employee's needs, but also, of course, to the organization's requirements and needs. Absolutely. And then, of course, there is the question of how do you define hybrid? Because everyone says it, but everyone's definition of it is very, very different. For some, it is extreme flexibility. For others, it is 
three days in the office per week. Do you have a definition of hybrid that you'd like to use or are you seeing this flexibility? I see this as flexibility. And what I mentioned earlier is we're coming down to a lot more tailored experiences, not only for the employee, but also the employer. And whereas before we were in a setting where five days presence culture was the norm for everyone. And if you were lucky, maybe you had one day once in a while, you could be working remotely. The average was that we were, it was a no brainer to be at the office. So now the hybrid option also allows companies to really frame it and to use it as their own employer branding as how they define it. So there's no answer for what is hybrid or not hybrid. You're right. There are many different versions. Is there a version that you can come once a month versus is there a weekly presence culture? So the variations are endless, but I think it's not about the variations. It's about what really suits the company and what suits the company culture. And this then is reflected in the hybrid ways of working which you can really also nail down to a transition into a culture of trust versus a culture of presence. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Now, one thing that I have said in the past is that right now there seems to be an expectation from employees that work needs to be flexible enough to fit itself around them. Whereas in the past it was reversed. It was the employee that needed to adjust and be flexible around their work. Do you find that to be true? Yes and no. It also depends a little bit on the different talent groups and the kind of work they get done. So if you're in a service industry where you have to be available 24-7, then of course you will have other commitments to be present at your job than if you're working in a project where it's outcome driven and it doesn't matter what time you work as long as you deliver. And I think if you're in those kind of talent groups, yes, Corona has proven us that we can do asynchronous work. As long as we deliver the outcome, we can be extremely productive. And that this is something employees now keep seeking for also when they look for a new job for sure guaranteed and this flexibility also comes with our hybrid ways of working having a trust culture and especially having our focus on an outcome culture versus a presence or a productivity culture and that too is a big shift Thank you for that. Now, one thing I have also found is that the way we work, be it hybrid or remote or in office, is becoming a currency in a way. Now, have you seen the same thing? And do you think this will continue? And let me explain what I mean by currency. You know, if we were talking about making an employment offer, say, five years ago, it was very much about the financial package, the holidays potentially VSOP, and, and that, was, that was the construct of it. Right now, this mode of how we work is becoming a currency. It is becoming a bargaining chip in those discussions. 
it is a calming, yes, a bargaining chip, and at the same time, it's also our new normal. So we have transitioned into from five days at the office now into these hybrid ways of working. So whereas at the moment it still seems like a novelty, it's also starting to become really as part as our new ways of working. And so yes, um, these demands for sure are made. Um, like what I said earlier, there's different demands coming, of course, from different talent groups. And the employer also shows different flexibility depending on the scarcity of talent. So if you are looking for talent, which you can't find, let's say, in your own region anymore, and you have to start seeking beyond borders, you will be in a situation where you have to allow and accommodate for more flexibility than if you have certain job roles where you just have uh, more talent seeking for the role. So I would say this is a different nuance also in terms of the bargaining power. But generally, because of the, yeah, the increasing numbers of companies who are offering the hybrid, it's not a novelty anymore um, to ask for this flexibility. It's become, and it is becoming more and more um, a prerequisite for people and employees. So then the question is, what is too much flexibility? At what point should employers come in and say, actually, stop, enough, no? Mm. I think this is a very individual decision, which cannot be generalized in one answer. Of course, there are always um, components where you have to be mindful of if outcome is affected if culture is affected, if you have really high attrition um, because people do not find connection with their colleagues, those are different data key points you should definitely monitor um, as well as your company health in order to have really an eye on is this model the right model for our company. There will be companies who offer full flexibility and they will be very successful, but there will also be companies where it is incremental to have touch points, to meet at the office. So it's a very individual case-by-case -case situation, but the only way to really nail it down is to have your metrics in place, to monitor those, and then to fine-tune when you see something is not in order. And I would also argue that there is a big element of fairness there. If someone is asking for something that you as an employer would not be comfortable in giving everyone else in the business, then the answer should be no. Yes. And also maybe one more administrative um, point for discussion is not every company is set up to offer this flexibility. This is also something to be really mindful of. I think that often from an employee side, this is something employees are often not aware of, that unless you are maybe a Google or you're an Amazon and you have offices in many different parts of the world, there are other companies who don't have these hubs and they don't have these legal entities and they don't have the text tax experts internally to figure out how to make this happen because it's a hugely 
like a hugely um, complex construct um, to allow for this flexibility beyond borders. Absolutely. It is, it is also, I think, unfair to require companies to, by default, have the ability to do this. I think that, yes, of course, if you're a Google or an Amazon or a Meta, sure, you're going to have a lot of flexibility across your organization, though that comes with its own issues. If you are a smaller local company, you do need to keep in mind what is what is realistic uh, in, in this regard. But this does lead us quite nicely into a question about status quo. You know, at the moment, we don't have a status quo. I think this is very obvious. You know, hybrid is, is not defined. Remote, what does that really mean? Four-day work week, I know of at least five different types of four-day work weeks, and some work, some don't. Some are individualized, some are standard. It's, it's a mess, let's be fair. But there will probably come a point in time where we do achieve a certain status quo. We do achieve a certain definition of what is the norm. And my question would be, when do you think this will happen? Is it going to be one or two years or five to 10 years that we achieve such a norm? And what will that actually look like? Or is this completely a pipe dream and it's not never going to happen and we're going to be all over the place? Oh, I wish I could answer that question. Um, that's the $1 million question. Um, many companies are trying to figure out at the moment. So it's hard to Let's give it a shot. It's hard to say. I think we have to go through this pilot phase at the moment um, in order for companies to do trial and error on which models really work for them. There is also no clear indication on the market in which direction we're going. You will see some companies announcing, yes, we're going back to five days at the office. Then you have other statistics also for instance coming from the u.s that um, no remote work and hybrid work is definitely here to stay so it's hard to make a projection at this point however the projection which can be made is that generally in the landscape of hr we're moving into an employee experience which will gain competitive advantage if it's tailored down to the individual needs. So we're moving away from really uh, the generic, um, one solution fits all, and we're moving into tailored experiences, looking at individual needs and finding products and processes and formats where we can personalize these employee experiences. And whether it will be in the end on-site or off-site or remote or not remote, I would say we're not in a stage yet um, to decide on this. It's just too early. But for sure, there will always be a variety. Yeah, the door has opened and it's a point of no return. Um, so for sure, we're not looking at a world anymore where we will be all of us five days back at the office 
simply because also the next generation is there and they are already asking for a lot more different things than maybe my generation was at the time. Yeah. Absolutely. And yes, I was going to circle back to that next generation and their early experiences of not being in an office and an office being a very foreign construct to them. Those people may be junior employees within businesses right now, but give it a few years, they are going to be managers within those businesses and their perspective of what is the use of an office and what purpose the actual construct of an office serves will have a big impact on how they run their teams, their organizations, their their businesses. However, I will actually say this. Let's say we're in a casino and you have to place a bet. How does the world of work look like at the end of 2023? What's, what's your bet? What's your prediction here? I would predict that uh, throughout this year, we continue in a pilot phase. I would predict that companies will still iterate their work policies, that they will try out different models, but that they will also, based on successes, but also challenges, fine-tune, and that it will continue to be a year of trial and error. That's definitely how I see it. Thank you for that. Now, this podcast is very much aimed at hiring managers who are looking to improve how they hire, how they retain, how they approach the people topic within their business units, within their businesses. And I wanted to ask you as a final question, what is the piece of advice that you would give a hiring manager right now when it comes to hiring and retaining people in this market, in this status quo that we're slowly starting to establish? I would definitely give us advice that the experience I'm talking about, and I mentioned earlier, this tailored experience starts already very early and it starts already when you attract talent and it also continues throughout the entire hiring process. So therefore, having a great experience within the hybrid setup would be something I would definitely see as a critical success factor for hiring also this coming year. Wonderful. Jessica, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on and uh, looking forward to more of these conversations with you. Thank you very much. For your time. It was a pleasure being here. Thank you.